Uh, as has been said, this is coming to the end of a series which we're calling called, which if you were here three weeks ago, links in to the core conference of RM and where Relational Mission, which is the uh, group of churches we relate to, are looking, God is calling us to develop over the next few years in terms of church planting and building up the churches. I was due to preach this two weeks ago, but the virus, which is, I presume I'm still suffering from, had me out totally two weeks ago. So you've got it now, and it means, as Sam's implied, not necessarily, uh, you're getting a different sermon. So, because as always, when I prepare something, I tend to find God challenges me first. And having that extra two weeks, I've got challenged even more. Uh, right, there's going to be an awful lot you won't be able to take everything in. So what I'm going to pray is you take in the bit God has for you. And also I'll give you some homework to do to develop it further. Okay? So Lord, we pray. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Clear out any blockages and cobwebs which get in the way of hearing what your Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Amen. I tried uh, producing a title and I've ended up with three. So you can choose whichever one you want. So either a living sacrifice, the renewal of your mind, or grow and go. And we'll go through all of those as we go along. Right, the text I was given was Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 to 2. And if you've got a Bible and want to follow it, keep a finger in there if you move anywhere else, because I'm going to, keep, I'm going to come to some of the other verses in Romans 12 as well. But hopefully they'll be up on the screen as well. I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right. As you probably noticed, it starts early on with a therefore. So this is following on from the previous chapters in Romans, so it's not coming out of nowhere. But I haven't got time to go back to that. But notice... Jesus has called you to be a living sacrifice. He saved you. He's given you new life. He's brought you into his family. You are not the same as you were. So we shouldn't live as we did. And there is a cost because of that. And Jesus warned potential followers of that there was a cost. If we look back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 20. Now the context is a young man has come to him and said, you know, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus probes things a bit and then he gets to verse 20 and the young man says to Jesus, 
all the things Jesus has asked him, the young man says, all those things I have kept, what do I still lack? He's done all those things, but he's got no confidence, he's got eternal life. And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, how do we... Did this person become a Christian later, a follower of Jesus? Possibly. I don't know how else this got in, unless there's somebody else over here. But Jesus put his finger on the one thing which was stopping this man following him. Now, for you, I doubt if it's matters of great possessions. But there might be something, and Jesus will put his finger on it. And I think we have to be careful that we can be so desperate to encourage people to become Christians that we don't warn them of this. You know, Jesus sought, wanted people to follow him, but he wanted them to do it with their eyes wide open, knowing what the consequences were. As we've already been singing, the consequences are glorious, but there's a price to pay. And it's not always easy. Because we're following Jesus, although it's spiritual, the spiritual is embodied in people. God calls individual people. We're not just dealing with abstract ideas. And we need to remember that. So therefore, if we're following him, we don't, we're not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of our minds. Now, can anybody remember the phrase I used last year in one of my sermons to express this idea? Uh, now, oh, it's starting to come. Yes, somebody's rem- remembered the bit. Kill the zombies. Kill the zombie. We are not what we used to be, but what we used to be keeps popping up. That's what he's talking about here. Don't be conformed to this world. When you become a Christian and you're baptised and go under the water, you die to this world and you rise with new life to Jesus' world. Yes? Yes. So, when you're baptised, you die and you're reborn. But what we find is the old dead life keeps wanting to pop up again. It's a zombie life. So you have to keep bashing the zombie back down. So that we don't conform to this world. Because if we don't, if we don't keep conscious of what, how our mind is working, we will slip back into the way the world, everybody else thinks. Yeah. I know I do it, and I have to get hauled back. All of us do it. But notice, what are we told to be? Not to be conformed, but to be transformed. Trans is to cross a boundary. Therefore, we have crossed that boundary from the old life of conforming to the way the world thinks into the new life 
of thinking the way that Jesus thinks. But it's not a, there's an, if you like, one-off bit where you are now, before you were not a Christian, you were not born again, now you are. But there's also that continuous bit of being transformed. I think that ties in with the dinosaur quite nicely. Isaac was showing me his new dinosaur uh, first before the service and me being a bit uh, insensitive said, Did you, do you have anything other than dinosaurs? And he looked at me blankly as if that was the weirdest question you could ever ask anyone. So I thought I'd better try and rescue myself and said, do you think dinosaurs are the best then? And he looked at me, well, why didn't you think that? You know, <laughs> but anyway. But what we need to remember, well, it does illust- actually illustrate something. My next bit, actions follow from the mind. Yeah. His mind is focused on dinosaurs. So what does he do with his pocket money? He buys dinosaurs. Yeah. What do you do because of the way you're thinking? That's good. Do we transform our mind so it transforms our actions? Or do we think, oh, I'm not doing this right, I need to try and do better? Now, sometimes it is just laziness and you just need to do better. Other times, you need to change the way you think. Because if you're not thinking in the right way, you're not going to be doing in the right way. So the question here is, brothers and sisters, are we willing to let the Holy Spirit transform our minds? Or are we going to let uh, uh, social media algorithms decide what we think? Because that is an awful lot quicker than a lot of the old style ways of transforming your mind. Because what we want to be, the whole purpose is, what we want to be able to do is to discern God's good and acceptable and perfect will. Now, sometimes that's easy to tell what God's will is. No, God's never going to want you to murder He's never going to want you to gossip. You don't need to worry about that. Other issues are not always as well clear-cut. Now, one thing as elders we've been thinking about for a while, but we haven't really progressed it uh, since I suggested it about three or four years ago, uh, (laughs) is possibly doing a series on issues people face today. Now... If we do one, we won't do it before the autumn. But if there are issues which you think, I want to know what, does, what, what is the right thinking on this, can you either let me know or one of the other elders know, and we'll make a note of it. Uh, and some might be suitable for doing a preach on, some might be better to do it as a discussion. But don't let there be something which is worrying you, keep going on, because we can find some way of helping with that. Right, let's have a look. What's the next bit? How do we actually work this out? Now, you really need to read the rest of uh, Romans 12 for that, and I haven't got time for that. So, let's look at verse 3 of chapter 12. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Right. I don't like talking about people having ministries because I think it limits them to just one aspect of what God's got for them. But whatever ministry you might think you've got, you are not God's blessing to the church in it. Doesn't mean that God won't bless the church through you in it, but we need to be sober about what God has given us. He has given us gifts according, as it says here, according to the level of faith we've got. And we need to have sober judgment as to what that level is. We shouldn't be thinking that, you know, we, we are the people who can only do this, or that we're the people who excel in this above all others. Of course, there's one person that must be somewhere in the world who is the person who excels in that above all others in the world at the moment. But we need a sober judgment, so we know where we're at. And Paul goes through various gifts, and he says, you have these gifts, use them according to the level of faith God has given you. So if God has given you a low level of faith for a particular gift, and somebody has given somebody else in the church a higher level of faith for that gift, and therefore you can see that person using the gift you've got much better than you are, don't stop using your gift. It doesn't matter if that person's use of the gift is vastly superior to yours. You use the gift God has given you to the level you can do it. Yeah? Yes. We're not comparing ourselves, well we do, but we shouldn't be comparing ourselves against one another. The only thing you should compare about in that is a sober judgement of are you actually using the God gifts God's given you to your level of faith. That is all you are asked to do. But, notice when in the next paragraph, I'll read, what's the verses I want to read, 9 to 13. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour, do not be slowful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That being sober about the level of faith God has given you for the gifts he's given you is not an excuse to hold back. Yeah. Okay? Yes. Paul wants us to excel as far as we can. But, if you are using a gift with a high level of faith, it's highly unlikely that you will have got to that level in one fell swoop. God will build you up a stage at a time. Because, again, as it is in the Gospels, 
He who is faithful with little will be given much. Because if God can trust you with the low level of faith you've got now, and you use that well, he knows he can trust you with a higher level. And if you show that that is fine, he can trust you with a higher level still. Sometimes you do get sudden leaps, but that's not the norm. It's not the way, you know, plants don't normally grow in sudden leaps. I did once have a sugar pea plant which seemed to grow three inches every night, but I've never been able to find the same brand of seed again. But you know, it's not usual for that sort of thing to happen. So, what we, how do we respond? Now, to save you having to try and write out six things I'm telling you to do, can you pass these around? So all I've done there, you've basically got a photocopy of my current page of my sermon notes. So rather than having to write it all out, you've got it there and can use it and you can, any spare copies were put at the back if you want to take them to other people in your growth group or whatever. So. I was thinking, with all of what I've said, how do we apply it? Because we need to be sober. Okay? So it probably needs a bit of time. It's not something you can just dash off. So it could be something to do individually. could be something to do in a group or in a growth group, as you wish. First question. Am I actually willing to be transformed in my mind? Because if you're not willing to have your mind transformed, the Holy Spirit won't transform it. So there's a matter of the will there. Am I willing? If you are, tell the Holy Spirit you're willing to have your mind transformed. Second action, are there any actions I need to take so I don't conform to the world? Is there anything I'm aware of where I am conforming to the world and I need to change? Again, usually in that sort of thing, God shows you one one thing at a time and you think you get all sorted out and then you find you're not. But, you know, God works through on that. And thirdly, soberly assess what gifts has God given me and what is my level of faith in them? You know, for healing... Is your level of faith that you can pray for somebody for their cough gets better? Or is your level of faith that uh, somebody would uh, rise from the dead? You know, a lot of people who, in inverted commas, develop ministries in healing start on the simple stuff. They don't start on the complex stuff. Am I using my gifts to my level of faith? So, first of all, what is your level of faith, and actually, am I using them? And then go on, what do I want to excel in? God gives gifts. You can't control what God gives you. But, 
In the same way as children can't control what their parents give them, they're quite capable of asking their parents what they want. So, if there's a gift you think you would like, ask God for it. The worst that can happen is he says no, and you're no worse off than you were before. On the other hand, if you're saying, I want more, you to give me more gifts so I can serve more, even if he says no to what you ask, I'm sure he'll give you something. You know, no, or is it a case of increase my level of faith in your current gifts? As I said, I don't like the concept of ministries because it tends to give the impression you just concentrate on one. And I don't think the list of gifts here are exclusive, that you can only have to do one of them. You probably might do different ones to different levels of faith, fair enough. And then having asked God, well, as I said, having done that, ask, take action if there's some action needed, and after a while, soberly review. And that last though might be helpful to do with somebody else. So somebody else knows what you're asking for and can possibly give advice and can ask you, how's it going? Because, as we all know, we are very good at self-deluding ourselves. So having somebody outside who can assess what's happening is good. Equally, having somebody outside who can see what God is doing in your life which you can't see yourself is also good. Right, going on. Let's get into the cool bit. And I've got 30 seconds left. Right, train and go. Sorry, grow and go. Not train and go, but... Off, part, one of the three themes of the, of the call is for us as churches to grow and to go. Now, some of that involves training. If you want to develop in some gifts, you'll need... You know, you need, a degree, you need some gifting, but you also need some training. So if there's something you know God's calling into you, you need some training in some way, make sure you look out for opportunities to be trained. Make sure you ask the elders, because they might know of opportunities. You know, you might want uh, to develop something which we don't do here, but maybe is being done in Medway or on Sheppey, and we can put you in contact with people already doing it to give you, so you can see what's happening. Look for somebody who's already using that gift well. Alright? Barry's out of the way a moment, but I'm going to embarrass Carol. If you want to learn how to serve better, go and find Barry and Carol and work alongside them for a while. Yes? Because yep. here we've got some people nodding. Yeah? So, you want to grow in something? Find somebody who's doing it and say, can I come along with you? Yes. All right? And if you want other forms of service, we're always looking for people to set out chairs. <laughs> in addition to that, you'll then get things like the Lion Wall Conference, one-off days which Relational Mission organise. Our local Relational Mission community will probably be organising things eventually as a one-off, but again, we can make use of them to, uh, uh, because they, we've got people with lots of different skills in our community. There are also longer courses. Lead, for example, 
which uh, Ian and Carrie are on at the moment. And probably half a dozen people in the church have done by now. Something like that. You know, you want to, it's not just for leading in a church. You want to learn, develop your leadership skills in church, in your work. It's an excellent course. Two-year commitment. Quite a lot of time. Quite a lot of time. It's a commitment. But you want to grow. You need the commitment. So watch out for other opportunities which will appear in the notices. Because there are things happening. We won't always make a lot of fuss at the front. But we'll put stuff in the notices. Things are going on elsewhere. Keep an eye on it. And also, you don't just grow by learning. You also grow by doing. So there's the go element. It might be a go element in terms of uh, doing something in a different part of town or a different part of the community than you're used to. It might be a go element of you going off to another country, and we'd be sad to see you go because uh, we don't like seeing people disappearing. But you really want to know what you think is scriptural or Western European culture. Spend a couple of years in another culture. Agree? Agree. You know, it makes you, cha- it challenges us the way you think. Now, you can't always take two years, so sometimes uh, a short t- uh, term team might be appropriate. You know, God has been, I think, developing in us a link, well, a desire more than a link yet, to co- cooperate with the butchers in Bolivia. No, last year we gave, was it £1,000 in February to get their roof on their building there for their uh, centre? And then in December we decided to put our Christmas gift day to that. Have you reported it because I was away? No, we didn't. Right. When I was talking about it uh, before December, I said, well, normally with our Christmas gift days we raise about £3,000. And I said, I'm not going to set this as a target because I didn't want to put pressure on anyone, but wouldn't it be nice if we could raise at least £5,000 for the butchers? Now, if I'm correct, is it £5,600? Right, so far we've had £5,600 cash in. There's then going to be over £1,000 more. That's including gift aid. Oh, that's including gift aid, right. Okay, that does include gift aid. Right, but we've got over £5,600. We haven't seen the February... Bank statement yet? No. So if you put something in which went through the January bank statement, we might not have that included. So wait so we can check that before we send the money over. If you think you would want to go and serve them in person, have a word with the elders. It might, we might be able to send a team over, who knows? We might not. If we don't, we might be able to find some other team going you can go with. You know, don't just let things stew and think, oh, nothing's happening. I know MoMA in Freetown in Sierra Leone would love to have a team from our church go and visit him. I keep trying to put him off. I'm not sure I want to go to West Africa again. I don't think my stomach could cope with it. But that's, a, you know, having said that, it's a challenge to me now. Which is more important, blessing our brothers and sisters or having a bit of stomach discomfort, right? 
Again, if you think that's what God would call you to visit Sierra Leone, have a word with me. Preferably don't, but if he is, do. Yeah? Or anywhere else. If God is speaking to you, we need to respond. We've got a choice as a church. We can either stay as we are, nice and comfortable, and things will stay nice and comfortable for about 20 or 30 years, and there'll be nothing left. Or we can decide to hear what God's saying to us now, yeah. respond, and God will, well, God's already doing stuff anyway, but God will do stuff. What we would look like in 10 or 20 years' time, I've no idea. But if the Holy Spirit is at work, we want to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to be just doing the same old nice stuff. We've been through a difficult time, and we've been through lockdown as well, which wasn't easy. It's taken us possibly a couple of years after we're able to meet again, just almost to get back to a level keel. But we, which was a necessary stage. But it's not a stage we need to stay. So we need to be seeking God to know where he is calling us on. Now I've gone over time. I'm sure the uh, stepping stones helpers are tearing their hairs out. They're okay, are they? Good. Right. But anyway. So, as I said, I've said a lot. But it needs time to think through. It's not something you can deal with, you're going to deal with all in one go. So you've got some questions to help you on that. But let's pray. Lord, Sam was saying, I think earlier, that sometimes people say they'll do things, then for whatever reason they don't. Lord, I know I'm very good at telling you I'm happy to do what you want me to, and then getting cold feet later. But Lord, help us to be the people you want us to be. Help us hear what you are telling us now for our church. And Lord, be laying foundations now, which we might not see any result from for another 10 or 20 years. But Lord, we would like it if all that work we did in the past with Kids Club and all the work which has been done with toddlers groups over the years, we'd really like it if we saw some fruit from that now. Amen. 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 You going to finish? Yeah. Okay.